Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Underbox Podcast, a television show podcast on the Anfield Index Podcast channel. And today we're going to be discussing a show that uh, recently ended its third season and has been renewed for a fourth, thankfully, thankfully. Uh, We're going to be talking Better Call Saul. I have two Better Call Saul fans on the show. Baji is back. Baji, welcome back to OTB. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you about this. I know you love I it. Know. And uh, also, welcome back to Justin Wells as well. Justin, how you doing, mate? It's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> I love it. It's just beautiful how that's how it came about, isn't it? But we'll talk about that later. Um, so, guys, let's just kick this off. I mean, th- this show obviously is a spin-off from... The, the 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 blockbuster TV show pretty much has made so many must you know I mean broken records, Breaking Bad. How good I mean in both of your eyes because you're watching this you must be massive Breaking Bad fans, Baji. Is I I I think it's it's some you know it's a slow burner. It's a slow burner for me because when it first started. I was like, oh, what's this going to be like? The first few episodes were kind of a bit slow, a bit dreary. And then all of a sudden it starts hooking you. And as it starts hooking you, it does it in a way that you don't even realise that you're being suckered in. Wasn't it, um, wasn't, isn't that similar to Breaking Bad as well, though? As in, like, I don't no, think that started as a, with a bang, really. It took a bit of a while to really get invested into characters and people. I, I don't know. I, I think that with Better Call Saul, it builds up better. If that makes any sense with Breaking Bad, you could watch an episode and there's like a beginning and an end to that episode quite nicely and quite neatly. And it kind of finishes at one point, leads you very nicely to the next one. Whereas with Better Call Saul, there's a lot more long burning stuff going on. You know, there's a lot simmering in the background that that suddenly comes to a crescendo almost as you get towards the end of the um, season rather than everything layering on top of itself at once. So I do like that. It makes you int- and it introduces its characters quite softly and quite nicely. It's not like an, um, I suppose a car crash which leads to a character suddenly appearing. The characters are brought in just as slowly, just as subtly. Yeah, and it's a little bit like the pace of Jimmy McGill himself. 
you know, he's not someone who's completely fast and frenetic all the time. And you can see him slowly ticking away, churning away, thinking of that next con ever so slightly as to how he's going to pull it off. So I like that. I like that reveal. Um, Justin, do, would you agree with that? With either, either that it was, I found it, you know, the, the slow build similar. This is probably a bit slower, to be honest, than Breaking Bad. Uh, but what, what did you think? It's definitely a bit slower. I think that one of the one of the key differences between the two is Breaking Bad is pretty much set entirely in the illegal world, and this show has you know basically kind of it. While it goes into, you do have some of the characters who are you know prominent in the you know the the drug dealing world of Breaking Bad because I mean early on in the show you meet Tuco Salamanca. You have Hector Salamanca actually able to speak. You don't meet Gus Fring until season three, but you meet Gus Fring, uh, who obviously his you know he's the big tie-in between the legal and illegal world in uh, Breaking Bad. You know his connection to Madrigal, which you also see finally start to open up in season three of Better Call Saul, is really the only tie to like you know the, between the two worlds. That and obviously uh, you have. Uh, yeah, Walter White's brother-in-law being a, being a, a DEA agent in uh, Breaking Bad. Nothing similar to that in Better Call Saul. But you have also, I mean, I think you have this similar kind of pace. And if you look at the first season of Breaking Bad, it's actually extremely slow. And it's actually, it's it's very sparse. And it uses the New Mexico desert uh, quite extensively. And you see that, you see the New Mexico desert used as a, as a character setting in this show as well. But that seems to be mainly focused on Mike. Yeah, totally, totally on Mike. And Mike is obviously another a big part of this show, Jonathan Banks. And he's, I mean, these two are the ones that go back into Breaking Bad, aren't they? So they're, they're, they're geared around these two, don't they? I mean, I can't remember what happens in Breaking Bad. Is he just like a henchman for him in Breaking Bad in the end? For, for So Mike for in Breaking Bad starts off as a henchman for Saul Goodman, but also... Once they've established Gustavo Fring's character in Breaking Bad, which also actually takes, I think, into the third season, it's end of the yeah. second season, beginning of the third season as well. That's when you realize the connection between Mike and Gus. But Mike is effectively, I guess, kind of Jimmy's dirty work guy, and I guess also kind of Gus's hitman. Yep, yep. I mean, that's what that's what they're trying basically build. They're building that now, aren't they? That's where it's getting the build from. So, I mean, for me, there's there's not much more really you can do non-spoiler on this. I think, guys, if you're if you're listening, it's it's pretty much these two major or characters in Breaking Bad that they've done a spin-off for, moving it back in time. I think it's set in 2002, and really interestingly, the show starts with. Um, Jimmy McGill, so that's also Saul Goodman, uh, and also at the start of this show, his name his name is Gene, and he's working in I think something like a Cinnabon or something, and and basically the whole show from there is pretty much a flash, not a flashback, a kind of re-storytelling because he's he looks depressed and he puts his he puts a video on, doesn't he? And it's going back in time, so I don't know, did you did you get that? I remember that from from the past. Uh, just to, I, I think know. we're led to believe that the Cinnabon is where uh, Saul Goodman goes after yeah after, everything after, with after Walter White goes yes, belly yes. up. That's his way of a, that's that's his way of establishing a new character. And it's yeah. I mean I get the sense that a lot of what we're gonna see um, as the show progresses is how does he get to this point? 
I have a feeling, and Baji, you can jump in any time. Uh, I have a feeling that they're going to... Um, obviously, they've put that there at the start of Season 1 for a reason. So I reckon they're going to build all the way up to Walter White. Yeah, and Jesse. Because I reckon Jesse Jesse's dropping too many hints in, 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 in the press about not being in this. I think he might even turn up in the next season, which is why there's some delays to it next year. But then I think they'll skip the whole of Breaking Bad and show the end. Do you get what I mean? The ending as in how he gets to this Cinnabon bit. So there's so much more to cover for, for, for these guys. It's, if, they keep, if, they, if it can keep going without getting cancelled... And I think I think there's something that I could probably put in here, Baji, before you do come in, is about the is about the the, the ratings and stuff of this show. Um, I mean, it's it's done pretty damn good. Uh, IMDb giving it an eight point seven. I mean, that's massive. And I've read an article that the the, the ratings dipped. So just say this season there was only like I think. 2.76 million or something. Uh, sorry, there was only like, it was getting a 0.5 rating, which is like 1.47 million people watching it. So AMC were worried. But then what happened was, once you get all the DVRs, you know, all the, because re- obviously people record it and don't watch it live, right? That's how many people watch it live, 1.47. In the end, it raised up to like 4.23 million people watching it, which is fantastic. Like 188% increase. So, there are loads of people still watching Better Call Saul, so I think that's why it's got the renewal. They've had to they've had to use the stats properly and in context rather than just the live viewing. So yeah, it's and apparently it's really good in the the key demographic as well. Two hundred twenty percent increase, one point six, you know, a rating, which is which is pretty damn good. So the show, from my point of view, uh, is a massive success. success. Um, I think Rotten Tomatoes as well gives it in its. In, I think it's in the nineties for it. So. Uh, ratings wise and reviews wise i don't think there's a bad word said about it Baji, would you would you concur with that i think the acting's good the direction everything's pretty much nailed on with this show yeah it is um as i said i i, I like the slow burner about it I, I i'm pretty much like a lot of the american dvr population i suppose where i didn't watch it bit by bit i pretty much waited for most of season two to have gone by before catching up with it. And similar with season three where you just have them recorded. You have them sitting back waiting there and you go back to them as you can. Um, I like when Liverpool season's finished and you sit there and think, what do I do my weekends now? <laughs> yeah, days is now my, yeah, what am I going to do? Oh yeah, better call Saul's on. Right. Oh, I haven't finished season two. I better finish that first. Um, which worked out really nicely for me because I finished season two, got through most of season three, and there was only a couple of episodes of season three left to do. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll wait for those to come along. Yeah. Um, I waited for the last three, I think, in a row. I and I think, you know what, watching it like that makes it a bit easier. Because it's a slow burner, because you you have to wait for so much to happen in order to understand every single episode thoroughly. Watching them all at once kind of helps because it's like reading a book then because you just read the book from beginning to end and you've caught everything rather than reading chapter by chapter, um, or in this case, episode by episode. And I think that helps digest everything that's going on because there's so many, as I said, so many intricate pieces being built up to what can only be a, a climax for something or a entry into something else. Because just like Jimmy, Mag- the way that he describes his life, the way that he shows his life, especially in season three, everything is something about something else. Nothing is without a consequence with Jimmy. He can't do something and just let it be. 
You can't do just something and there's never a consequence to it. There's nothing that, you know, there's no carry on. There's always think, something that leads him back early, to early his like, past. He fucks up a lot. He fucks up a lot. All the time. Everything is, <laughs> but, turns into a mistake. <laughs> and, and, and almost, you know what, without saying too bad, it's just like it carries on. It does. It it's does. a constant with him. And that's that's probably the best place to end the spoiler so we could talk about Jimmy McGill because the, with Better Call Saul, that's his name. It is all him. And the whole build of the show is to get to Better Call Saul, you know. And beautifully, I mean, I, I punched the air when he said it's all good, you know, in um, you know Saul Goodman and he introduced him in an advert in season three. I was like, yep. yes, yes, yeah, we're getting good, there. Man. It's all good, man. And she goes, well, where did you get the he, name? That, that... <laughs> That expression comes out first, though, I think, in season one during a flashback before the beginning yes. of one of the episodes but, where him and his friend are basically uh, conning another guy yeah, yeah. out of a Rolex. Yeah. Pretending that he dies and then in, yeah. season, in, and then in season two he actually dies, uh, which is, is really – Marco. What's it? Mar- yeah, Marco. It's his name, Marco. Marco. Fucking hell. Fucking that Marco. guy takes me back. absolutely hysterical, It's so good. It's so good. In, uh, in Last Man on Earth. Oh, right, and okay. That actor is in Last Man on Earth, and he's pretty damn funny in it. Oh, okay. That's one to watch, guys. But, I mean... See, for me, yeah, the, on. the big one here is actually more Jonathan Banks than it is Jimmy McGill. So, Jonathan Banks, who plays Mike, is is the one who kind of ticks me over on this more than Jimmy. Because if you've got really old memories like me, and you gave Jonathan Banks hair, you gave him a brown suit, gave him black hair, or brownie hair, as the case may be. But then you can see him as one of the bad guys in Beverly Hills Cop. Yep. Because he's, 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 he's he looks Berkhoff. like a bad guy in this anyway. He looks like a bad guy. He's Stephen Berkhoff's right hand man, isn't he? He's the one who shoots Axel Foley's best mate. Mate. Yeah, for he's uh, Stephen the Banks As Mike, right, cannot ever look like a goodie. He is facial expressions in this show, and how he is, he just looks like a bad guy. You don't want to mess with this fucker. The guy is so clever. He's so smart. Like they're they're a match made in heaven, personally. I reckon because uh, in terms of them two working together, because obviously Jimmy is dead smart as well. But the way he like, I mean, for example, can you remember the scene where um, he wants to get Nacho? He wants to help Nacho, and he wants to get Salamanca. The, is it Loco? Loco, uh, Tuca. Loco? Tuca? Tuca. 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 He wants to get Tuca in jail or something, doesn't he? So he gets bad by him, but he's just, he, he purposely gets beaten up by him. Yeah, and pistol whip. <laughs> yeah. It, it is, it just is so interesting. But the way that his mind works, Jonathan Banks, so Mike, I can't, I can't stop calling him Jonathan Banks, Mike, the way Mike's mind works it's so intriguing, right? Because you sit there and you think, you know, he's not really going to work out a nasty way here. But he does. And there's always an element of whereby you sort of see the reflection of consciousness in regard, sorry, of conscience, whether we should, should or shouldn't do something. And then he just goes to that bit where he goes, ah, oh, fuck it, never mind. We'll do it anyway. And I like that yeah. about Mike. Yeah, he I does. like that also, cold nature, clinical nature about him. He's ruthless is the word. Yep. Absolutely it's also ruthless. great that they, you know, because they reveal, you know that there's always something between him and his granddaughter in Breaking Bad. And why that relationship exists in the way it does. His son and, got killed, right? Yeah, the revelation of that's done in Better Call Saul. Um, yes. his, son, his, son, his son killed over effectively what's, you know, Mike's corruptness as a police officer. Yep. Two coppers killed him 
and then he kills them, doesn't he? He fakes yep. he fakes um, being drunk and stuff and takes them outside, and then they they plan to kill him, and he turns the tables. And yeah, it, you know what? It gives the it does give you the depth of um, it gives you adds so much more depth to Mike's character when you know he's going through why he's like that. You know, that's why he's become like that. I know he was corrupt and stuff, but you can actually see that he's depressed. You know, there's a, there's a hurting man, isn't it, there? Basically. The only time I think his character smiles is, with, is when he is with his granddaughter. Yeah. Yes. Uh, other, otherwise, the character, like the, the signature of, of his character is very, very little smile. In fact, he doesn't really emote at all, which is, I think why it's so amazing for a why it's so amazing to compliment the character doing what he's doing is because typically when we think of actors we think about them being able to give off a wide range of emotion whereas this is it's like whereas you know the whole anti-hero type of thing comes through it's instead of giving any sort of emotion he gives none and he does it perfectly everything is calculated to him everything is the knowledge of this is what i need to do in order to make effectively this con work yeah he's stone cold that is the word he is pure stone cold he will he's just that fa- I, I love him he's a great character i think though obviously he's i always see him as a sidekick i know Bobby said he's he, he makes things tick i think his his storyline's probably a bit more exciting and you know gets things going and he's there's more action but i i actually i just love jimmy mcgill i like bob bob odenkirk is is phenomenal he's just I mean, he was one of the best things about Breaking Bad as well. I know Walter White and Jesse were great, but he would just make you laugh, wouldn't he, when he was in Breaking Bad himself? And in this, he's had to really go back from the cocky guy. And the cocky guy only comes out in cons, if you notice. The cocky, better call Saul, Saul Goodman, is always there, but only when he's on a con. But otherwise, don't you see a different, totally different character? He's like really, really, what's the word? Um, insecure, insecure. I think insecure, is what they're looking for. Insecure. God, he just—he's just not the same, is he? And they've gone through. Uh, there was a flashback of him, like in jail with uh, Chuck, trying to get him out. I think something to do with sex offenses or something. I don't know. But there was one there, and then obviously he's a con man, and he's called Slipping Jimmy. So Slipping Jimmy McGill. Slipping Jimmy McGill. So he's got a past, a really slippery past, should we say. <laughs> and it's it's like a rebirth and he's trying to prove himself and he passes the bar and he gets laughed at by his brother. Pretty much. His, uh, his brother basically always thinks of him as the kid who stole from the cash register at his parents' store. Yeah. His brother's a cock, really. Charles so, McGill is the biggest fraud of anybody in the show. Oh my god. Well, a fraud or or just well, he definitely don't like disturbed. batteries. No, he, he, <laughs> no see, he wouldn't come on this. He wouldn't come on this pod. No. <laughs> did, did you, Bajie, Did you notice about? I mean, let's. We, we're just. We. I want to keep going on about Jimmy, but we're all. We keep moving over onto other characters, so we'll come back to Jimmy in a minute. But in terms of Chuck, did you? Did can you remember those scenes? Um, I think there was one. I think the doctor said he's definitely. Um, you know, he's mentally disturbed. It's definitely not a problem. Yeah. And then the second one was where they're working on the sandpiper. I think because you've watched season two before uh, uh, recently, they're working on the sandpiper case together. So a, a really rare moment where they're actually working together, and he just walks outside to get the stuff out the car. Yeah, I mean, he just it just proves everything, right? It proves it proves Jimmy right. Well, season three, and I'm not going to do any spoilers here. Season three nails it in regards to whether it's psych, yeah. 
whether he has a physiological problem. No, no, you can spoil it. You can one. spoil it. Spoil it. We gave, we've given the spoiler disclaimer. Yeah, go for it. Oh, okay, great. Because it shows, like, when it gets to the court case. Wicked. What a, a battery, scene. Yeah, and it introduces his bodyguard in a very extremely subtle way. So in, you all. Uh, I love yeah. you all. <laughs> yep. Introduces Saul Goodman's bodyguard in a, in a subtle kind of way. Um, it shows it then. There's a battery slipped into his pocket, sitting there in the court case. And all the way through, he's absolutely fine. And then right at the end, but Jimmy uses that. You know, even at the end, even at the bitter end, Jimmy knew what he was doing. You know, the, the biggest thing that held holds Jimmy back has always been his brother. And he's always wanted some kind of acceptance somewhere that his brother will see him as an equal rather than as this submissive, subversive kind of person who's always just going to be a slipping Jimmy. So his brother, you know, he wanted to be more than that. He became a lawyer, yeah. still not accepted. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and brings and, and, in the sandpiper case, still not accepted. Did you not feel sorry at all for for um, for Chuck? Because obviously, oh he fuck bought, no, 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 no. But he bought his, <laughs> bought, his, bought, his, bought his ex-wife there as well, and then not only that, Jimmy, J- Jimmy's. There's so many shades of grey to Jimmy, and uh, bring Justin in here. Obviously, the sandpiper case, um, not the sandpiper case. This one's the um, Vesta Verde, is it? Mesa Verde. Mesa Verde. So there's a there's basically that case. Jimmy's gone obviously and changed all those files, and and and, and dropped him in it. Dropped him in the shit. It's Jimmy that's done it. I know they were being bitchy about it, but uh, and, and you know taking it away from Kim and stuff. But who we'll get onto in a minute. But it, it, the shades are grey for Jimmy here. He did do he did do wrong, right? I get it. <laughs> but so did his brother. Yeah, so that's that's always the weird thing about the entire relationship, though, is mm. if you look at every single time Jimmy really does wrong or cheats, it's for the goal of trying to do, in his own twisted way, what's right. Do good for somebody. Yeah. yeah like, serve justice. He's, yeah, he's trying to do good. It's just his method of, do, his method of uh, being a lawyer is very different than Chuck's, and Chuck's you know, Chuck's got that idealized version uh, and love of the law, and that's why he's so offended that Jimmy, who basically will bend rules to try to get what's right for – and if you look at the people Jimmy defends typically or, or takes on typically, they are people who are being screwed over by a larger power. Not always. There are some times where he's just a cheat, but he's willing to bend rules to do what's right, whereas Chuck would be fine with someone getting screwed over if the law dictated that they should be screwed over. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's, he's doing right, like Baji just said there. He's giving his own justice, which is um, probably wrong as well, but I get what you're saying. It's, there's a shade of grey, but he's actually trying to do something. He's doing something for Kim as well, because she was starting up, wasn't she, on her own with him. They were, they were doing, what was it? They were doing separate practitioners, but in the same, you know, same law firm yep. type thing. So it was interesting. I mean, so what did you make of this this stuff that Chuck? I mean, it's just, it's just crazy, right? Like Baji, like he's just. I can't remember the origin of it, how it all occurred for him, but what a crazy thing to have, you know, <laughs> to, to 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 convince yourself that you've got this illness. I just couldn't imagine a life like that. I know. And his demise, I mean, we might as well talk about it, his demise, I mean, he's 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 just, what is he doing? I mean, wh- what is he doing at the end taking, you know, know when, over two episodes, he rips apart his, his own house. house, 
whole house all to try and stop his electricity meter from ticking over. And then when he thinks he's done the very last piece of everything, he just completely, obviously he forgets the sheer fact that the electric meter itself draws a current. And he just says that and he just can't take it anymore. And obviously then he smashes the damn thing to pieces. Um, and it's, it's, it's just very strange that, you know, as he smashes that meter to bits, he then sits back and then just goes into a stupor almost of self-reflection and thinking, what the fuck have I done? But he kicks the lantern, right? Which then sets yeah, but the that, fuck. That's what leads to that, that whole stupor. That's what I mean. So he's just sitting there, you know, and he knows what's going to happen next. Mm. You know, he just, no, it's just, it just shows everything about him. Something that's been gnawing away at him, gnawing away at him, gnawing away at him. And he doesn't know how to control it anymore. And that's, again, slowly but surely, kick, kick kick he keeps gnawing away at the lantern to try and get it to kick over and then finally one big push bang good night god bless and just just it's weird because he's just got a sense he's just obviously left he's just left um oh god what's the total name uh mcgill what what is it uh, hamlin 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 hamlin, 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 hamlin yeah. mcgill and hhm hhm and they've just he's just got did he get a good payoff i think he's paid him off from his own money hasn't he howard yeah, is, he has. Who is also uh, is Hamley, one of the Hamleys. He's the young, the, the junior. So, I mean, so he's got his money, but he's still not happy, is he? He just, I mean, that was interesting how at the end of season three, Howard and, and Chuck, which they've been teasing for, I think, about the whole season, that how they're at each other's throats, you know? They don't, they're pretty much not agreeing on anything now. And um, he just wanted, I think, because he caused so much damage, couldn't get... I think Jimmy was dead, dead, dead clever though in making sure that he didn't get um, <laughs> insured ever again, <laughs> or at least have a very high, uh, you know, premium for his insurance. Jimmy, Jimmy would do anything to get his brother back, which is it was just mental, and it's going to lead. It's it's led to his demise, Justin. Well, I mean, to be fair, all these things should lead to his demise. If you look at if you look at what Charles McGill. Uh, does throughout the series, everybody basically is carrying his water through the entire series. Uh, you know, his his partner ha- Hamlin, whose first name I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, but Patrick Fabian's character is uh, you know he's there to basically sit there and run the firm. Howard, basically, yeah, Howard, ha- how yeah, Howard Hamlin is there to run the firm and basically make jimmy comfortable but also try to keep jimmy in a far enough distance away because he knows that jimmy's not right i mean not jimmy charles because he knows that charles is not right and he even will help jimmy out when charles asks for it early on helps jimmy get a job at davis and maine another firm that's you know well thought of that i think was in santa fe and for anybody who doesn't know new mexico geography santa fe and albuquerque are the two only cities in new mexico and are about an hour an hour apart um but he help, he'll do anything to effectively mollify Chuck and kind of keep him at a distance while making sure that he's close enough to appear like he's being supportive of someone who's clearly, you know, off his rocker. But that character, you know, Chuck, basically everybody into his orbit, he pulls into kind of his toxic flow. Like Chuck, for everything you can possibly say about him, is effectively the other side of the coin of Jimmy. He's also a con man. And the only person who doesn't know that Chuck is a con man is Chuck. Yep. He just doesn't, he just can't see it. <laughs> it's mad. I, 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 um, 
what what else is there with Chuck? I think we've covered everything. I think that's that's him gone. I think from the series. I think he'll only be there in flashbacks now. So there'll be a really big part role for Chuck, uh, which is a shame. I think he was a good one, but I think there's. I don't know how he's going to come back from how he got his demise, mate. No, 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 fl- yeah. flashbacks, yeah. flashbacks, only flashbacks. <laughs> no, no, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, I don't know how you could actually survive the house burning down. Oh god, they could, they could always write that someone rushed in and dragged yeah. him out, you know, at times. But, but yeah, I think that's him done. I think it's confirmed that he's done, and that he'll only appear in um, flashback flashbacks for Jimmy. Yeah, Mike, Michael McKean um, tweeted basically that you know it's been his pleasure to entertain you on the show. So I think that he's made it clear that Chuck's character has definitely taken his own life successfully. Uh, and just one side note to drop in. I'm, I I love Michael McKean, uh, partly because of the fact that he is a hometown hero for me, graduated the same high school from me and from the same town as I am. Woo, look at this, rubbing shoulders with the with the big stars, eh? <laughs> I, I've, I've met him I've met him a few times. Super nice guy. Get him on the pod, yeah? I'm joking. <laughs> look, I'd I'd have to go back to, I'd have to go back to my high school homeroom teacher. That was my connection. Maybe. Let's try. Right, anyway, Rhea Rhea Seahorn. Kim Wexler, she's she's I love her. I th- I think she's fantastic in this show. I really like her. I think she's she kind of she's the the way they bounce off each other, Jimmy and her. She's always the one to kind of like just calm, you know, just say you know, just just a calming influence on him, you know. But then she has her moments when they when they try and run a con because <laughs> they've done a few of them, haven't they, in the past, Baji? Yeah, they showed quite a lot of them in not a little bit more serious one, but definitely in series two, where they go into the bars and pretend yeah. to be somebody else. Yeah, and uh, you know, what was the ice ice station zebra or whatever it was? Exactly. So, <laughs> so she's got a great yeah, side to her as well. I don't know. The thing is, though, you know what? I what I don't know how you guys watch Breaking. Um, sorry, Better Call Saul. But there's one eye on Better Call Saul with a view of what happens in Breaking Bad. Because if you watch Breaking Bad, you sit there and go, right, so where are you in Breaking Bad? And that's always a burning thing that's, that sits over anything that happens in Better Call Saul. Like, What's your reference to Breaking Bad? She's nowhere. She, I don't even think her name gets mentioned in Breaking Bad. So now, all I'm actually really interested in when it comes to Kim is that, where did you go? Yeah, when she do you die? die? <laughs> do, do you die? I think the same thing. <laughs> You know, do I, you die? I, I, or do you go off somewhere because you're so pissed off with Jimmy and yeah, the way that he's been? Yeah, there's, there's, and he goes off and does Saul Goodman, and you go, "Suck this! I want nothing to do with this." And you just disappear off the face of the earth and go either, somewhere else. Got to, I, mean, uh, I think she's going to either pass away or she's going to run away because it becomes too much for her. Like this season, uh, Justin in season three, and people have been watching all three seasons. Of this she she worked herself into the fucking ground. Yeah. I mean, she worked herself into driving her car off-road into the middle of the desert and crashing into a rock really hard. Yep. It's just not it's it just it just she I don't literally, she literally did that. She did she did that. Yeah, it was it, it was terrible. And she was so close to making it with this new client, wasn't she? But it's clear you can't do all this work on your own. You can't. No. You've got to have a firm no, I mean, and that's a, and that's the part that's extremely difficult for her. And I mean, I'm hoping in some way that we see, you know, in the flashback to Gene at the Omaha Cinnabon, you know, a pan over to the the Auntie Anne's that's next to it, and we see, uh, you know, Kim. But that's uh, you know, that, that's that's aspirational. I don't think that that's going to happen. But I, I mean, I can't picture her character because obviously, at some point, there's going to be the crossover that's going to take Jimmy from being a criminal lawyer to being a criminal lawyer. 
to uh, take the Jesse Pinkmanism of the first season of Breaking Bad. But I, I think that's when you're going to probably see Kim and Jimmy find some sort of separation in some way. How that separation works is going to be the open question. Any thoughts on um, her, her character, Justin, before we move on? I, I, I love the character. I think that she humanizes Jimmy. Yes, quite that a was bit. what I was looking for. And that's really what it and, – and, and he needs it because of the fact that otherwise you, you need the point in which you realize that he's not just running games. And I think that towards the end of season three when you see the uh, – specifically the, the one woman who Jimmy has pitted all of her friends against her to try to get the Sandpiper case settled so he can get paid sooner, you see Kim kind of trying to prompt him to making sure that he doesn't ruin the rest of this, this old woman's life from a social perspective. And it forces Jimmy to actually have a conscience to where he outs himself as, you know, as who he really is to, to everybody in the nursing home, just so that woman can, you know, not be treated as a pariah. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it, in, in, I mean, just remind me of something, Jimmy, when he's when he turns all those old ladies against the, 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 the one holdout. Yeah, just so terrible. Such a horrible thing to do to someone just to get the money out, you know? So there's your, that's another shade of gray. Like you love him, but you do think, what the hell are you doing? You know? <laughs> and then in the end, Baji, Harry has to tell them that it was him by, you know, faking that, that argument outside, but leaving the yeah. mic on. It's just like, you do cringe a little bit, don't you? You go, oh God, this is awful. <laughs> Well, he's even told he's awful. Yeah, he's told. He's told he's awful. And these are the kind of kicks he gets in the gut, isn't it? The whole three seasons so far that we've seen, he's just getting battered pillar to post. I mean, even when he's doing his um, community service, Baji, he's just... Even then he manages to find a way. Yeah, he does. He, does. he just... just <laughs> Squeeze just the clever, balls. Ah, but... oh, I tell you... <laughs> We we discussed people who are in one but not the other, and the only you can't talk about Better Call Saul and not talk about Nacho. Yeah, Nacho is fucking awesome. If I had to name one character that I look forward to seeing week in week out when it comes to the show, it's got to be Nacho, played by Michael Amanda. I think Nacho Vargo is fucking brilliant because he's just. He's a criminal brain. Yeah, he could be a super brain if he wanted to, but he just won't ever get to that level. He's one of them because you don't you don't see him in um, Breaking Bad. And you know, from the research done for this show, you hear that he gets mentioned by Saul whenever he's when he's surrounded by Tuco and Co. and about also oh, by Jesse and um, Co. because he's been kidnapped and taken out to the desert. And he goes, "Oh no, it was Ignacio." Pointing back to Nacho, but Nacho is not to be seen. Also in Breaking Bad, apart from by name in one episode. So you're like, going, so what happens to you then? Because Tuco is there, come um, Breaking Bad. His uncle is there, or granddad, whoever he is, is also there in Breaking Bad. But Nacho is nowhere to be seen. But Nacho is everywhere to be seen right now. So what happens to Nacho? This, is, this has been doing, this is the other thing that does my head in, is where does Nacho go? What happens to Nacho? Does, any, does somebody kill him? Does he die? Does he so get many, found out? So many, stories, so many, so many. The future. But he's seasons. brilliant. He's absolutely because he brings everybody into it. You know, he's the one who brings in Mike. 
and he will therefore be the one that probably brings in the likes of Saul Goodman. I also do enjoy the fact that he stole a man's baseball cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They... Oh God. If there's the ever like the if there's ever a guy, yeah. If there's ever a guy who had it coming, it's that guy. <laughs> All for the big yellow hammer. <laughs> that I mean, that car just says like I'm a target. I think it just says I'm a tit. To be fair, yeah. Basically, I just think that um, <laughs> I just think there was one episode in this season when he's he's trying to change the pills over for Hector. And um, he's trying to get the pills into um, the, the the bottle and then into his into his jacket, and he's sweating so badly. And I just remember feeling like on edge in that episode with that. And I was like, "Go on, go on, just do it." And I just remembered that this is what it felt like in Breaking Bad. Obviously, it's exactly the same makers, exactly the same people are making the show, right? So they know how to do it. But it was about time that it was getting this show was getting into more of that feel and obviously season three is the closest I feel because of the, the same people because of Gus coming back as well and it, and obviously Hector being more prominent as well it just felt like you know wow we're, we're moving towards Better Call Saul now we're really getting there and I thought that that scene in particular was done brilliantly I don't know what you guys think or, or if you agree with me or not on that so I have I have a theory on it that I, I don't know whether or not it'll work out to be true. But obviously in the last episode of Breaking Bad, finally Lydia, who actually was also introduced in season three of uh, Better Call Saul, she's she's poisoned by the rice and packet that's faked as sugar by Walter White when she's grabbing tea with uh, Todd in the last episode. Uh, I have a theory that the pill that Nacho is stuffing will eventually be that same rice and Ah, okay. I have no idea how it'll be proven correct, though. No, we might get there in the future. <laughs> I'm just glad there's a season four, mate, because I was really worried because there was no mention of it. And normally, these shows that are doing well get get um you know renewed halfway through the season and stuff. But this one, they waited for a long time. It's only like a couple of days ago, right, Justin? You said it to us. Yeah, well, it's also the fact that if you take a look, I mean, you mentioned those viewing stats earlier, and I'm glad that you're still applying your statistics course from last week. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think I'm I, I, when you said that, the one thing I do want to point out is I'm one of the people who watches it when it's normally on TV. So I'm glad to finally be one in a million. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear, Baji, your thoughts on that scene and maybe, you know, maybe how it felt a little bit like uh, Breaking Bad. Um, I I don't know. You know what it is. Breaking Bad. You watched episode after episode, season after season, not knowing what's going to happen next. With Better Call Saul, you don't know what's going to happen next, but you know where it's going. You know where the train ends. You know where sorry. You know where the last stop is for this train. And with that in mind, as I said, it 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 changes everything. So anything that happens within, anything that happens in the show, any little niggly thing, I always just sit there and think, right, so are you now going to show what this means in regards to Breaking Bad? This is now going to be the next bit, next bit, next bit. So yeah, I think all scenes are going to be eventually like this and the closest to Breaking Bad um, as it carries on. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think you can just say that the whole 
thing was as close as it could be because for me, the whole from beginning to end is just a ways to a means, if that makes any sense in regards to breaking back. I think I think basically what I'm saying is the pace definitely picked up in season three in this in this show, in comparison. Oh to yeah, this, undoubtedly, yeah, yeah a, the pace. A, because people are saying, "Oh, we switched off because the pace was too slow." But obviously, you need to give these things a build. The people behind this show are not stupid. The people behind this show have had one of the most successful TV shows in history. You know, most popular as well. Um, it, it, the show had to go into Netflix exclusively. Because it was t- cancelled, right? I think, Justin, is that right at the time? Yeah, it was cancelled after the first season, and then it got... Because the first season of Breaking Bad is only seven episodes. Cancelled after cancelled that. after season one? I thought it was a bit later than that. They didn't want to make... They commissioned after season one, but after season one with the, with the ratings, they didn't want to air more of them. So they had made a few of the episodes into season two, and then the viewing numbers on Netflix went astronomical, and it got put... And AMC was like, okay, we can put this back on the air. Ah, right. So that's how it worked. That's yeah, that's worked. why season one was only seven. Season one was only seven episodes, and they just never gained any traction with it because of the pacing. But going back to something that uh, Paji just said, it's uh, it's interesting because you know there is the comparison of with Breaking Bad, and it's obviously the fact that you know the two shows do bear quite a bit of similarity, including shared characters. But I think that the reason that they both work in a standalone manner is Breaking Bad is all about the destination, right? You don't know where you're going. Uh, Better Call Saul, you know where you're going, but it's all about the journey. So the fact is, it's, you know, you're able to use different narrative devices because, you know, it, it, it's thematically just a, the, diff- the difference in story and the difference in what you're setting up as far as kind of being a a prequel but not an exact prequel allows you to explore different things and put different total non sequiturs into uh, into the storyline to build characters. And I think the show is a lot more about character building than it is about the events. Because like, if you think about the first two seasons, some of the stuff that Jimmy gets into, uh, you know, you're introduced to Tuco from the fact that he has two skateboarders try to, two, two, uh, two guys who try to scam him, who he sees through, scam an old woman, into thinking that they've hit her car into thinking that they've hit him with their car and breaking their legs only to find out that that old woman's uh, grandson is, is Tuco. And yeah, that was not a good move. He breaks yeah. their legs literally though. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Tuco in the, in the desert, he actually, instead of killing them, he breaks their legs, doesn't he? Yeah, but Jimmy pitches it as a victory. As like, I, know. I got you, I got you guys, you know, I got you guys uh, six months instead of, uh, instead of uh, a death sentence. Oh my god, it was really bad, but it was it was funny as well. I was like, you just okay. That, there's there's Saul Goodman. That is what Saul would do. But like you just said, I think it's the journey. I think it's the journey of you know Mike and obviously better call Saul himself. So I I, I mean Saul Jimmy, sorry, let's say like he starts off so bad. You know Albuquerque Albuquerque is where he is. He lives in the back of a blooming what is it Vietnamese nail salon or something. It's just he just it's just not a good place to be, is it really, for him? And slowly, it gets a little bit better, but then he's always having these these um, setbacks, but then big ideas. Like, I think there's one with the billboards when he becomes a hero, when he fakes, fakes like, becoming a hero or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. Can either of you remember what it was? He has the, uh, he saves the person. With the adverts. Hang- yeah, yeah. Hanging, <laughs> hanging from his billboard, he stages... 
I mean, he stages it, but he stages someone who's hanging from his billboard that he goes up and saves. He, but, I mean, it's all fake. And uh, the only person who sees through it is Charles. Yeah, obviously, the only one who sees through it is Charles. He's like, you're a fake and all this. He goes, so why it worked? <laughs> and then, again, he can't help himself. And, obviously, the adverts. Have you noticed how the adverts are a massive, like, go-to for him the whole way through? And, obviously... Uh, when he's when he's Saul Goodman, that's what's key as well. He in Breaking Bad is he's had adverts, but in this he's using them for other things. There was obviously what in season I think what did he do? There was another one where he did another advert. Season two, um, what was the advert? Season three, sorry, he's making adverts to make his money back. Like he sold advertising, but he's then selling it to people creating adverts yeah. for them. <laughs> well, it's because he's not legally allowed to practice law for a year. And he's he's got to make his money back, right? From the, from from those those adverts, it's mental. I love how he keeps using it though, and he's got to use that. And it starts with the soul. It's all good stuff. So, what do you think is going to happen in season four then? Very very interesting question. Justin, you go first. <laughs> I think we get. I think I think we get more Gus. I think we start to see how Jimmy and Gus tie together. Wasn't that really exciting as well? Seeing Gus back. Yeah. Gus, yeah. Gus Frey is one of my favorite TV villains ever. Like, yeah, like, no, as in, not only that, the actor himself, he's such a good villain. <laughs> oh, Giancarlo Esposito is amazing. He's amazing. He's such a good actor. He's brilliant at what he does. Absolutely brilliant. I've seen a few shows with him in now. I've, I've just watched a recent one, The Get Down. He was in that as well. He was fantastic in that. As Could well. he possibly be the most responsible drug lord ever that's ever yes. been on television? <laughs> Even more than Escobar. He's so good. Yeah, he really cares about his employees. Yeah, have you seen the advert on uh, Netflix that they've done just before they release season three with him? Uh, how to become a, you know, how to become a, uh, sorry, if you want to become an employee, you have to go through this and all that. It's so funny. It's so good. They did it. <laughs> they, that's that's how they introduced him, that he's coming back. It was such a really good video. Check it out. Really funny. But he is... Like I like you guys just said, he's such a good actor, and I think bringing him back just made. I think that's what I keep saying. You know, it felt fantastic. He he brought something to this season, I thought, and then obviously going back to that place. Uh, where did they go to? Where did they go to for the drug? You know, the drug cart where they go to meet the cartel and stuff. Yeah, they go to uh, Don Alaria's place. Yeah. Like, and that just brings back memories, doesn't it? Because you just think, oh. This is going to be key in a few, you know, in, when you go into Breaking Bad and stuff, obviously a few years on from that. But it's just, um, it just made me excited. I love, I love seeing him back and how calm he is, but then how behind that calm, you know, act is just a ruthless, another ruthless, dangerous, you know, I don't know, drug lord. Yeah. Well, I also just love uh, one thing that you'll notice is, the, the arguments that occur, um, both Stephen Bauer and Mark Margolis, uh, Stephen Bauer being Don Alario and Mark Margolis being Hector Salamanca. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little bit of a shout out to Scarface there. Both characters are actually in Scarface. Mark Margolis is uh, Sosa's hitman that Tony kills when he can't put, wow. when, when he refuses to kill the children in the bomb attack on the, on the TV reporter who's going to expose the CIA and, Equatorian and Ecuadorian government, and then you have, uh, you know, and, and then Stephen Bauer obviously plays Manny. Baji, any other thoughts on Gus before we 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 just sign off? Not so much on Gus. 
But in regards to season four... Yeah, let's go there. I, I think it's going to be a case of whereby you see the divorce of Kim and... Uh, yeah, it's going to go downhill big time. It, it's it's, it's got to go that way. I think... Because I, the, I really think what's-his-name's coming in as well, Jesse. I have a big feeling there's going to be introduction of Jesse. A young Jesse, maybe not the same actor, maybe a younger one. I don't know how they do it. How do they make someone look younger? I mean, they try and do it with him, don't they? With with um, with Jimmy McGill. So maybe they could do some makeup, but I really do think they need to start doing that. And maybe even a Brian Cranston appearance, just one fleeting one somewhere would be very interesting. That I don't think we're going to get the latter. I think maybe Jesse Pinkman you will get because Jesse obviously knows Saul. Yeah. In the show, the in Breaking of, Bad. Yeah. yeah, but I don't, I don't think that you're going to... But, but Walter's introduced to him at the beginning of Breaking Bad, so I can't see that where the Oh, overlap no, no, there won't be um, any overlap. It'll just be... He won't meet, he won't meet um, Jimmy McGill. He can be, like, shopping somewhere and... Oh, uh, yeah. Do you it's know what I mean? Just an appearance. That's right, a happenstance. So they don't know each other, they don't meet. It just... Oh. Well, his brother-in-law's in happenstance, isn't he? Yeah. Do the yeah. raid. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, his brother-in-law should be uh, should be featured in a lot of the drug aspect of it because his brother-in-law is a DEA agent. <laughs> will be interesting to see because the drugs have come in now and become a bigger part. So it will be interesting to see what they do. I have a feeling that I mean, they've got these people have worked together before. It's not like it's a new. The, the, the great thing about the show is it's exactly the same people making it, so they will easily be able to get access to these people to bring them back in. And also, when you listen to like interviews and other, other they'd love to come back. They would love to just make an appearance somewhere because why wouldn't you? It's something you worked on, and it's a spin-off of it. You would be desperate to just go and show your face, and I reckon the ratings would just go unbelievable if Jesse Pinkman came back as well. I just think, even if it was two or three episodes, like like how Gus was... He wasn't in it for much, was he? Gus, it was more three, four episodes, I think, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't more than that? I don't think. No, I mean the only thing that you get from there in his involvement is you start to understand uh, where the rift between him and the Mexican drug uh, connection, and the cartel connection, uh, you know, really becomes aggravated because Hector clearly isn't a fan of the fact that Gus is more successful has a front business that actually works and that Gus has effectively found a way to also kind of sabotage him because Gus is employing Mike to sabotage Hector. Of course. Baji, your thoughts? I think I echo what Justin said in regards to Gus and Mike and how things go and what happens next. I think also with Gus, you don't get to see that much of his cold side in episode 3 you do by the time Breaking Bad finishes you realise he's a seriously cold motherfucker <laughs> he, he takes no shit so I, w- I want to see that because I like that in Gus I have this thing about cold characters whoops sorry guys no it's, it's, it's fine the way in which the way in which Gus takes out the entire cartel yeah man amazing it, one of the it, best it, it, one of the best scenes man of the whole Breaking yeah. Bad I think it just yeah you know, so it, it good. Just poison and creating a field hospital for himself is just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I really am tempted to go and watch Breaking Bad again now. <laughs> yep, that's how. That's how. That's how good the show is. So, uh, yeah. Because I, I don't know. It's been a long time since I watched Breaking Bad. I'm exactly. trying to. I can't remember how Saul lost all his money because I can't work out how he's ended up at Cinnabon. 
Oh, that one is because at the end of the show, when that when the when everybody's closing in and Heisenberg's been identified, he actually hides money and he he's hidden money for himself. This is more of a way for him to avoid criminal prosecution is just to disappear. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so, so yeah, I get the disappear, but that's what I mean. So where's where's his money then? Oh, oh he's, still, he's still got he's, the money, but he just has to, he has to have an alter ego. You know, like how he was Jimmy McGill went to Saul Goodman. He's now got yeah, to okay. Oh, so he's okay. just yeah. he's no, on the you. download. Yep. He's on the download, yep. so he's got a, a property and stuff because he's sitting there watching VCRs. <laughs> for, for some reason, in two thousand and seven or eight, he's still got a VCR. Yeah, because I mean, because at that point, also that's also what he's one of the things he does before the last two episodes of Breaking Bad is, or the last episode is, he gets Walter out of town. Like they get Walter to New Mexico and get him to safety. I mean, it's in New Hampshire. Get him to safety. It's just he's miserable. Agreed. Okay. Uh, so we've even said what we think is going to happen in the future. Uh, personally, I hope there's more from Gus. There's uh, more, more introduced. You know, there's more characters from Breaking Bad introduced. I think that's that's got to be the way. Well, they've they've given you evidence of showing that's what's happening in season three. So season four, I don't see why not. Um, that would really push this show on even further. And I think it'll just keep getting renewed if they keep doing that. So, fingers crossed. Thank you so much, Paji and uh, Justin. Great to talk. Better call Saul with you both. It's, uh, it's a pleasure Thank to you. talk to you, too. Thank you for having us on. And, and always a pleasure talking to Justin. Okay, and we will be back with more television shows. I think Billions is next week. I think Bardi might be back again. Um, and we'll, we'll... I'm also petitioning for Only Fools and Horses. Yes, we will. I love that show <laughs> as well. But I think there might be like 10 of us on it. That's the problem. Okay, <laughs> right. So yeah, before we have the mass Only Fools and Horses, I think we might wait till Christmas because that's fitting uh, for that one. But um, yeah, we'll be back with more on the box very, very soon. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 